Welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and I'm excited to talk with our guest today, Jenny Boster of The Playful Piano. Jenny has loved teaching piano lessons for almost 25 years. She's earned a Bachelor of Music degree in piano performance from Brigham Young University, studying with Dr. Scott Holden, and she's a nationally certified teacher of music. She is passionate about piano pedagogy and about sharing the joy of music with her students. Her website, The Playful Piano, features unique and engaging piano resources, including a music history coloring book curriculum, technique books, and much more. She's passionate about discovering female composers and sharing that knowledge with other music teachers, as we're all about on this podcast. And Jenny lives in far west Utah with her husband and five children. Welcome, Jenny. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. This will be great to chat with you. Yes, it's wonderful. Right before we hit record, Jenny and I were just saying we felt like we knew each other and we've known each other for a while following on Instagram. I don't know how long we've been following each other, but we've been interacting on, you know, the piano teaching corner of the internet for a while. Exactly. Exactly. You feel like you kind of know these people, even though you've never met. So I'm excited to meet you formally now, sort of virtually. Yes. (laughs) Well, Jenny, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and what led you down the path of being a pianist and a teacher? Sure. So yeah, I'm from Utah, born and raised here. And when I was little um, in preschool, so I was like three or four, I went to this preschool with this cutest teacher who would, we would sing a lot. So she would teach us little songs and she would play the piano and I would come home and climb up on the piano bench and plunk them out, like figure them out by ear. I was just always at the piano. So my parents were like, okay, we need to get her in lessons. And I even remember creating my own little notation system. I traced my hand and then I wrote on the fingers, which order to play them for like Mary had a little lamb or something. I mean, I wish I still had that. I don't, I don't think I still have that paper, but so from just a young age, I just was kind of drawn to it and I took lessons you know, I started in about first grade and I took lessons from just a really fun teacher in my neighborhood. And then I kind of outgrew her and I went to this teacher who is like my hero. And she just was such a motivating, inspiring teacher to me. And when I went to audition for her and to meet her, she said to me, she said, I teach teachers. And she said it like it was the noblest thing, you know? And, and then just because I loved her so much, I just wanted to be like her. And she just really led me down that path to being a piano teacher which was really cool. And she actually got me my first student, She, her next door neighbor. And she taught me a lesson on how to teach a first lesson. So I would have my lesson with her and then I would go next door and teach this girl next door. So she really was my mentor kind of getting me on that path. So by the time I went to college, I had already taught for several years, which was really cool. And I studied piano performance and it's just been such a fun career and it's kind of taken me different turns. And you know, I'm sure we'll kind of talk about that a little bit, but that's kind of what led me to piano. That's awesome. Bless those teachers, you know, that just took us under their wings and and made us yes. want to follow in, in those footsteps. I love oh, that sure. story. Sure. And it makes you want to be like that for your students, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So you run the website slash company, The Playful Piano, which puts out these amazing resources, not just for pianists, but for all types of music teachers. So can you tell us how your business got started? What was the first resource that you put out? 
Yes. So first I just started blogging. It was 2010, I think kind of in the era of blogging when it was super popular. And I actually, it's kind of funny. I watched actually a friend and I kind of started it together. We had just both watched the movie, Julie and Julia. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it. Yes. Where she starts the blog and it was in this like blog era where everybody was doing a blog. So we were like, we could do a blog, you know? And so we kind of started it together and then I just kind of took off with it, but it just started out as this blog called the teaching studio. And I had lots of guests, you know, writers come on and talk about different things related to pedagogy. And we kind of built up this little community and it was really fun. And I was also kind of building, I had just moved to Texas and was kind of trying to build a new studio. So it was kind of my way of kind of sharing things I was learning and trying to learn from other people. Um, and then within a year or two, I shared my first resource on there and it's called my muscle builder book. And it's just a little technique booklet that I've used ever since for my little beginners. It teaches the five finger scales um, and chords. And it's been so great because it gets them playing all over the piano right from the first lesson. So it's not only technique, it's just understanding all the different chords and keys and they're able to play, you know, lead sheets and things from a young age. And so it's been really fun. And that's been, that was my first resource. And I actually am just, I just updated book one. Yeah, and I saw that. So. so then from there, like it started in these early days of, of blogging and then you just started creating more yeah. and more resources. Wonderful. Yep. I just started making the things that I needed for my students. I would have a problem with a student and think, okay, what do we need? And then I would create it and then, and then it would work. And so I, I would share it basically on the blog. So, I mean, really that's how all teaching resources get started. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're trying to come up with solutions to problems we see every day. <laughs> sure. So one of my favorite products that you just released is your picture book about the history of the piano. It's so beautiful. And yeah. can you tell us more about it and how that yeah. came about? Yeah. So I'm really excited about it because it turned out so pretty. So it's called A Brief History of Piano Music. So the idea came, it was based on my, my teacher in high school gave me this really old copy of something. It was called A Brief History of Piano Music. And I've rewritten the whole thing, but it was just like, little paragraph about each era, mm. each musical era. And, you know, as I've been teaching, I just feel like there's a need to help our students get into classical music and appreciate it because a lot of kids don't come from homes where they listen to classical music these days. And it's just important as pianists to understand, you know, what is Bach music? like versus Chopin, you know, they're so different. And so what I did was I've actually, I have so many projects kind of on the back burner of my brain, like that I've kind of worked on. But one of them, which I haven't done was a, I have a music history coloring book curriculum. Yes. And so I've been really wanting to do just one with, with a little book on each of the musical eras. So I have been reading a ton over the past few years. I have it all like outlined and planned out. I've been doing all the, the reading and the research and, and, that, and then I just decided you know, let's just put it into something that can be accessible for our students. It doesn't have to be super long and detailed. It's just something where they can get a taste of what, what each musical era is about, specifically for piano, for piano music. I love it. So it just goes through each musical era starting in the Baroque period. And I made sure to talk about, I think it's really interesting to know like the history, like what was happening in the world, you know, in that time, because I think it really informs like why the music is how it is. So for example, during the classical era, it was like this age of revolutions. And, you know, we have like the French revolution and the American revolution, and then just this burst of industrialism and new technologies were kind of starting out. And it was also like, so 
there's a lot of freedom, like, you know, quest yeah. for freedom and your individual voice. And so it, that really transferred into the music. And it was also the period where the pianoforte was just developed. So it's kind of like they're moving from the harpsichord to the piano. So it's a really cool era. And if you understand the background, it's it's even cooler. You know, it's it's neat to know what the composers were living in when they wrote the music. Absolutely. It was so fun. My copy arrived a week ago at the time of recording this episode. And it had just come in the mail and one of my students was coming in the door. And so oh. we opened the package together and I was like, come on, I want to I want to show you this book. And she's flipping through it. <sighs> Wow. You know, and just every page, look at that piano and look at that piano. And I mean, she's a little bit young to start to, you know, learn about the different eras, but she could see like, let's look how the art changes. Let's look how the different styles of the instruments changed, you know, and it was just so cool to see that sort of that sense of wonder kind of come through. I love having the art so that so it has artwork from the different period in there. So you can kind of compare styles because the art and the music had similar styles happening Hmm. and I was thinking about it and I think one of the reasons I did that was my teacher she had this beautiful studio space she had two Steinway grands and she had all these like gold framed paintings and stuff and she had this painting on her wall and it was probably like early classical era it was like a a piano like a salon maybe gathering Mm -hmm. with big skirts and she would always when I was learning like a Mozart or something that was like oh just kind of from that classical era she would say look at this painting and she would say look at these people they're not about to go out and play football yeah they're graceful they're refined and she was so cute I can still hear her voice like saying that but but it really helped to have like this visual to go with the style that you're playing so absolutely love putting those paintings in with the descriptions because I think it helped a lot and I mean to that point too understanding like what was going on at the time I was teaching my group piano class just yesterday and we were working on a baroque minuet and I said what's happening at this point in the minuet and they're all kind of like I don't know (laughs) like why are you asking us this question I was like well the trill is it's a signal you know as the last turn and then they're preparing this final chord this is where they bow and they're like oh so I was like so you can't rush to the bow because you know you need to pay yeah, it and that's like, awesome I love oh, that right yeah that makes sense so it's just like what you said it's important for them to understand the context because it's going to inform your music and that's what makes it that's what my teacher used to say is it, it's what makes it more than black dots on a white page totally it brings it to life for sure I love the pictures I love because I, I think it's just so great for the young kids the older yeah. kids will you know teenagers will start to read through it and say okay that that can inform my music but yeah but the little ones like oh look exactly. it. it's pretty yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah the romantic has this like wave crashing it's like a painting yes. of like the ocean and I love it because it's kind of think of like the impetuousness and the passionate virtuosic music of that period so it's kind of cool and the other thing that I that I want to mention too that I w- was really important to me was I wanted to have compose like important composers from each era but I wanted women in there and I know you're with me because yeah, <laughs> I know with, you yeah <laughs> and that work too. There's so many women who were important and they've been erased from history. But the problem is we get, you know, all any music history book you get, it will have just men, 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 men. And then maybe like it'll have one page at the end that talks about, and I, I made about this recently on my Instagram, like they'll have one little page that says, you know, it, like recently there's been more interest in women composers and hopefully maybe someday 
will know more about them. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> you wrote the book, you could have put them in. So I've kind of come to realize it's not those people that are going to change it. There's, It's not the music stores, it's the teachers who are going to yeah. change the narrative. With me putting this book together, I'm putting the women in there and just leaving it at that. Like they were yes. there. So I'm really excited about that. That was something I was so excited about because I'm currently doing for my doctoral research, I'm going through all of these histories of piano music and piano literature. So I'm looking at, you know, kind of what what has shaped the piano canon. And I think I've found two textbooks so far that include at least one woman. Uh I think the max I found, there were three women included in the entire history of piano music up until the 1950s. Yes, it's crazy. I know. I was trying to count some too recently because I did a presentation for my local um, music teachers association and I'm like there's hardly any women in these textbooks Mm -hmm. you know so at the college level they're not learning about these you go to any music store and you ask for music by women and they're like what you know they don't know because there's not a demand for it there has to be that demand for it so I just realized I think it's us teachers that are going to change it if we can teach our students yes. that women are composers too, then hopefully it'll start to change. I, I couldn't agree more. It was funny. I was I was at a choir rehearsal, like a children's choir rehearsal, and the conductor and I have a great relationship. And she was sort of teasing me like, oh, we, we, women didn't write music. She was, you know, teasing yeah. me because she wanted right. me to do one of my spiels. And one of the little guys stood up like indignantly and he goes, that's not true. That is awesome. I was like, you know what? His yeah. teacher was teaching him that. Yes. That's a success right there. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Well, you have also launched the Female Composer Club, which is so cool. Can you tell us more about what it entails? Like what what do we get in this subscription when we sign up? Yes. So this came from me just realizing, okay, it's teachers that are going to change this, but they don't know, like they were not taught. Like none of us were really taught about these women. So we don't know. We've taught ourselves. So I wanted to just get easy to implement resources into their hand that they can use for students of variety of ages and levels. So it's a club you sign up, it's $5 a month. And each month you get a studio licensed PDF that has a bunch of things in it. So it has a really nice bio, like an, a biographical kind of just outline of their life, really easy to read bullet points, you know, a few interesting things, why they're important. And it includes one piece. It has a list of suggested pieces, but it has one piece with a little bit of a listening guide mm-hmm. so they can read about what they're going to be hearing. There is a worksheet that goes along with it that they can fill out and answer some questions. And then take some notes as they're listening. So that's great for the older people that can, you know, read and write enough. There's a really adorable, this is my favorite part. I'm I'm calling it the life story coloring page. So there's a coloring page with all these cute little just pictures with words, just fun facts about them from throughout their life. For example, Amy Beach is our composer in November. And, you know, she was homeschooled as a child. And so I wanted to kind of reflect that. And so I actually found a picture, like a photograph of her home, her childhood home that she grew up in. And I drew a little doodle coloring little page of that house. And I put there and I just said she was homeschooled. So it has all these cute little pictures that they can color and they learn so much about her life through this. And, and if you want, you can play the music while they're coloring so they can hear their music. There's also a coloring page of the composer of their face with their name, their dates, and like a quote that they said. There is a recommended listening playlist with links to a YouTube playlist or Apple Music playlist, they can listen. There's a list of recommended piano works ranked in general order of difficulty.
difficulty from easier to harder so that you can assign your students to at least try some music during that month of that year, because it's hard to know like where to go, like where to find it. Try and think what else I forgot. There's another, it could be a coloring page or just, it's just a nice quote you can display in your studio. There are cards that they can collect, composer of the month cards. There's one with just their face and their, their name and their date and I believe their country. And then there's one with just some little bullet point facts about them. And then one with some listening, like a list of recommended listening and they fit in those trading card sleeves that you get and put in a binder so they can collect these cards and remember the composers they've learned about and then there's in every pack there's going to be this page that is a guide to where to find music written by women because it's very difficult to find it's getting so much easier much easier but yes going to like like your local music store at least when I've tried like it's very hard to find anything unless they order it in but so this has a huge list of the first section is like tons of anthologies and there's so many in even just in the last year which is so exciting it's really encouraging it it really is and then just resources that you can where you can find their music because that's really hard (laughs) so you get all of that it's just five dollars it's studio licensed you can print for as many students as you want but it's just I just want to get this info out there to these teachers so they can start to implement it and I think that there are a lot of teachers that at least I know of that do different themes for a month like we're going to talk about Bach this month and so these are great resources in which to be able to to use that and then I was also thinking looking at the resources like what a great idea for classroom music teachers and which we can sort of talk about some of your resources for classroom music teachers next but what a deal five dollars a month and you're getting all of these lesson plans and that's the thing too it works so well in a classroom or even homeschoolers I know there's a lot of people you know families who need things like that and I just want to get these women out there you know because they're so incredible and I want their music to become more listened to you know absolutely and and you know I mean where I am in in Canada it's really encouraging to see more and more women being added to the repertoire list for examinations Uh, and for music festivals but then at the same time it has been difficult at least mostly for some of my older students to find some of the music that's now on the list because it's in first edition or they're not great editions and so then you know we've been looking 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 for different resources and I you know I'm grateful that I was able to get some shipped from other countries and things like that but it's still it's been quite challenging and so I think that that resource list of sort of easiest to hardest music by that composer can be such a gift you know over the 12 months collecting these lists oh yeah and then you've got a repertoire list and and where to find it start grabbing these anthologies you know get an anthology every month and start building up your library because there's really a lot now which is awesome for sure absolutely like we just said like some of your projects um you've got composer bulletin board sets am i correct yeah yes Yes. yeah i saw some of those yeah another easy way. Yeah. If you want to decorate a bulletin board for Women's History Month or just any time of the year with any female performers, I have, <laughs> I have three sets. Just can get them printed or print them out on your own and put them all up on your bulletin board. It has their name and their dates and their country. And so that's a really great way. But yes, that would be great for schools that have those big bulletins, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So you also, I believe, have more resources for classroom music teachers. Can you tell us more about some of those yeah. products that you have? So yeah. 
Yeah, the main one that I think is so, so great for classroom is my Shades of Sound curriculum. And this, in some ways, it's even better for classroom than for a private piano lesson because I use them in group settings more. Yeah. But what it is, it's a music history coloring book curriculum. So they're really, really fun. I really wanted a way to help students start listening to classical music and be engaged in listening to it and start to appreciate it. So they are, they're coloring books. They have a little bio about the composer. They include all, all different composers. They are kind of in themes. So I have a book for each season of the year. There's a spring book. It includes a variety of composers, you know, from the Baroque era or even earlier to the present day it includes men and women. And it, you know, it includes kind of a variety, it has a lot of piano works, but they're not all piano works. There's lots of orchestral works in there. So there's a playlist that goes along with it. You just scan the QR code and it brings up the playlist. And then there's a coloring page for each piece. There's some info, what to listen for, you know, things, some information about the piece, but then they just color while they're listening. And it's really, it's really fun. If you've never tried it, you should try it because there's something super engaging about listening to the music while you're coloring. It really focuses you. It uses all of your senses almost. You're seeing the picture, you're coloring, you know, it has that kinesthetic aspect and you're listening to the music and you're also reading about the composer. So it kind of is, it uses all the different learning modes, but it's a lot of fun. And I have found when I, I've done a lot. I've colored a lot of the pages. When I see the page that I colored, the music pops into my head. Right. Yeah. So I have one that I, I listened to Vaughn Williams, The Lark Ascending. And I have this cool picture. It's from my spring book of just this lark flying through the air. And it was a really fun one to color. I look at it and I hear that violin. Like it mm-hmm. just pops into my head. It's really cool. I love that. I'm going to use some of the Shades of Sound curriculum with my junior master classes in the spring yeah. because we always try to do, you know, an activity afterwards. And so that can be really fun, you know, just taking a couple of minutes to listen to the piece and then it gives them something to do. Exactly. It keeps them focused. Keeps them focused. Yeah, kind of reins them in a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So there's books for every season. There's books for lots of holidays. There's like a Christmas book and a Halloween book and Valentine's Day book. And then there's, I have two women composer books, which are bigger and they have a little bit more info about those composers because we don't know them as well. But anyway, it's such a fun curriculum and you can get them as paperbacks, but they come as studio license. So you can print them out for all your students. So it's really great for the So useful. You've really, you've thought of your research is very much from a pedagogical point of view. It's like, what do teachers need? And we really do like those studio PDFs and being able to license it because one, it doesn't add clutter to our libraries. Not that books are clutter. I shouldn't say that. I'm, I say this as a person who has so, so many books, constantly buying new okay. books. But sometimes I find that my resources can stack up so much. And so then having the studio licenses is really helpful. So I know that you self-publish your work and you've got so many amazing resources. What made you decide to, want to grow the company and what made you decide like wanting to go the self-publishing route was it motivated by the blogging yeah for sure for sure I'm kind of like a do-it-yourself kind of a gal like (laughs) as a teacher I'm like okay my students need you know to learn this and this and this so I'm gonna make a resource for that but yeah for sure with doing the blog self-publishing just kind of came naturally and it's really big these days the self-publishing scene it's easy to do in terms of distribute yeah it is 
it is. I mean, relatively easy. It's still a lot of work, obviously, to so get them work. so much work, so much more work than you think. But yeah, I have just, I've just loved it. It's really grown organically as I've taught and I've had more problems to solve. I mean, it just kind of feeds into itself. My teaching is where I get all my ideas and then I go make the product. And then, so it just kind of grows as, as I need those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally understand that because currently a project that I'm working on came as a result of one of my students having, if a student has a physical disability, it's like, okay, how can I adapt what yeah. we're doing to fit so that it works for them? Or my student really enjoys a style of music. Hey, how can I sort of adapt yeah. resources to make a solution for them? Crazy. So what project are you working on right now? Can you tell us? So many. And I'm So I'm working on the Female Composer Club, of course, but I'm also working on my Female Composers Challenge, which I've been running each March on my yes. over Instagram, on my website, which is where you, you sign up, you get a free listening calendar with a different composer for every day of March for Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. And then I'll send you a quick email every day so you can just read a little bit about the composer. And it's been so much fun. And people are always so surprised how many composers there are. I have, I had to narrow down this year's list so many times. And for anyone who <laughs> hasn't seen them before, like you're not just repeating the same list every month. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I've done a different yeah. list. So I'm working on that a lot. <laughs> and I have the resource called Practice Tricks, which is this one resource. I totally just made it for my students and how, uh, strategies, like practice strategies, trying to help them learn how to practice better. And I have a teacher that I've been chatting with. She's actually working on translating it into German because she she's from amazing. And we've been chatting a lot and kind of bouncing back ideas. And so I'm going to be updating that one, hopefully in the next little bit. So I mean, I always have a project in the back of my mind. It's just having yeah. enough time to do them, honestly. <laughs> yes, you and me both. Yeah. I think I think yeah. teachers tend to particularly when we're teaching young kids tend to have that sort of mindset of we've just got so yeah. many creative oh, ideas yeah. on the go. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's sometimes it's hard to decide, okay, what do I want to work on next? You know, what's the next totally. thing? Totally. Yes. So I really encourage anyone who is interested to sign up for the Women's History Month calendars because they're so fun and you can just print it out and pop it on your on your bulletin board in your studio. And then it's Monday and student A comes in and what is our listening for today? And then every student could have a different listening, you know, based on what exactly. they come in for yeah. lessons. And so then they're, sure. you know, all learning about all these wonderful composers. So it's a great resource. I really love that one. I still have copies of, of mine that I'll probably keep recycling. Uh, so yeah, great. for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So much fun. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you. I was talking with Sandra Mogensen, who you probably know from Piano Music She Wrote, and she says that what she's working on right now with Piano Music She Wrote, she feels like somebody has unlocked a, a room to a whole different area of a house, you know, that she didn't even know existed. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that can be it, right? Like I am very much in the pedagogical field and working with piano literature, and there are still composers I come across. I had no idea this person existed. Oh, yeah. Right. All the time. All, the, All time. the time. I actually had somebody say to me when I launched my club and she said, I love this, but how many months material will you actually have? You know, <laughs> we could be here and I was for like, years. Oh. <laughs> 
could be here for years. Like just the ones that I've already researched and read yeah. all about, I have like six or seven years. So, yeah. and I'm discovering new ones. Totally. So no worries there. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. will not run out. That's why it's so needed because we, people don't realize how many there are. Absolutely. And I mean, even with my older students, some of them entering into competitions now, and I'm really encouraging them. I'm like, choose a piece that's not on a traditional repertoire list because yeah. that is going to stand out when yeah. an adjudicator hears that. And it's not to say that we don't like, I mean, they're still learning WC and Bach and Chopin. Of course. Them. Of, of course. course, of course. So I've not, have never stopped teaching them, oh, but for sure. at the same time, like it's, there's so many cool pieces out there that people haven't heard, especially when students are playing at such a high level. It can be a great way to introduce your audience and to educate your audience and to educate the adjudicator on new material. For sure. So it's been so wonderful getting to chat with you. I feel like we could talk for a long time and that <laughs> I will ha absolutely have to have you on again as yep, more and more sure. things come out. So we're going to wrap up our chat with a few rapid fire questions. So no wrong answers. Go with your gut. Can you point to a moment when you knew you wanted to be a musician? So maybe not like a particular moment, but as a child, I was super shy. It was really quiet and shy. And I just remember feeling like the piano would, like, I just loved it so much. I feel like looking back, that's how I could express myself when I was too shy to like speak up. So I think it was some of that for sure. Do you have a favorite piece or song to perform at the moment? Well, kind of my go-to is Claire de Lune, WC. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, but I've just always loved performing it. It was my grandpa's favorite piece. Mm. I got to play it at his funeral. It's just kind of my go-to. I love it. Have have you ever been given bad career advice? And what was it? So I can't really think of any bad career advice per se, but I feel like I wish in college, they would have prepared us more to be business owners. Yes. <laughs> so not, it's not really bad advice, but like, I really wish we would have a class, like how to run a business because most musicians will teach in some, in some capacity and most of those will be business owners. So there's so much that goes into it, the finances and marketing and all of that, that's not just playing the piano. It's like you are employer and employee of your, your own company. Here. Definitely. I wouldn't agree more. So what's <laughs> the best musical or career advice you can pass on to up and coming musicians? Okay, best musical advice is to play pieces that you love. Because if you don't, you're not going to practice. That goes for like my students. I'm like, if you hate it, tell me, we're not going to learn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, for anybody, like be listening and discovering and find pieces that you love. And then you're going to be practicing like crazy because you love it. And then just for career advice, I would just say to be creative. Um, my career has been, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a piano teacher. And I am a piano teacher. I don't have a huge studio, but my career has kind of gone in direction. I didn't realize it would. And it's been mm -hmm. so great, but just be creative with kind of what your skills are and make your own career. You know, it's so great that we do that these days. Absolutely. What music are you listening to right now? Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. We break, we've broken out the Christmas music already. I'm always, we always in our house have music playing. I always am listening to classical music, lots of works by women as I'm discovering them. And just about, just about any, everything in my house. I have a son into video game music. I have little daughters. We listen to lots of Frozen. We listen to everything. <laughs> music all the time. Just so our audience knows, this episode is releasing like shortly after Christmas, or sorry, yeah. shortly after Christmas, after but it Christmas. is before Christmas right now. So Jenny's not weird 
prepared for listening to music in January. It's before Thanksgiving. So it it might be weird. Some people think that's weird to break it out before Thanksgiving, right? It's almost (laughs) here for you guys. It's cold outside. So I I just turned it on. Right. It's like the snow came out. I was like, okay, is it too early to start? (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming on Loud and Clear, Jenny. Can you let our audience know where they can find you and know about all the exciting things you're doing and all the resources? And I will link to everything we've talked about in the show notes so people Uh can know exactly where to purchase it. Okay. So you can find me at theplayfulpiano.com, also at femalecomposerclub.com. And on Instagram at the Playful Piano. So thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Everything we've mentioned in the podcast and for all the podcast episodes can be found on concertstream.tv and also on my website, oamusicstudios.ca. And you'll find all sorts of helpful links. You can find more loud and clear episodes, including a few video interviews over on my YouTube channel. And as always, you can stream it on concertstream.tv. The other thing that would really help this show out is if you subscribe and download on whatever platform you listen on and leave a five-star rating or a written review. It really helps to show the show some love and it helps to get this show in front of some more people who may enjoy it. And as Glennon Doyle says on her podcast, if you didn't like it, don't worry about leaving us a review. It's fine. If you have any guests or topics you would like me to cover, feel free to reach out to me at OA Music Studios on Instagram or OA Music Studios at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.